Episode 24, Mitch and his dad. I am Mitch, and with me, as always, is my dad. There he is, the patriotic one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, we had a lot of patriotic people come out of the woodwork with this situation. Yeah, it was a, it was a patriotic weekend. What well, was really neat, and it makes you kind of choke up, you're watching a basketball uh game and the guy singing the kind of opera singer guy singing the star spangled banner and you know you i've seen that scene so many times over the years live and also on tv where they're singing the star spangled banner and uh whoop you just clicked off yeah whoop, there you come go. back in a minute yeah there you go you're back all right yeah and this one was neat because the entire time he sang not only was the crowd standing up, but they were screaming and hollering the entire Star Spangled Banner. They just didn't shut up. It was like, wow! It was it was amazing. It was really wonderful. Yeah, but I yeah. think uh, now that was the best speech I've ever heard uh, Obama give, right there. Quick and to the point. Yeah. Well, if he could, you know, if he could stay, he's he's making a big speech tomorrow from the uh, from the site of the. Uh, World Trade Center, and if he can stay away from the temptation of tooting his own horn or any kind of political thing about the Democrats or the Congress, you know, something like that, I, I think he's going to gain a lot of votes because uh, he made a lot of headway with that with with, with this thing going like it did. Yeah. Although he, he today he turned down the possibility of. Releasing the photos. Yeah, I saw that. Which make, little... now makes the photos worth a fortune. Yeah, yeah, naturally. <laughs> well, it's one of those you know they'll be released. I think he's. I mean, I don't know for whatever reason he's holding off, but uh, you know, eventually they'll get out. They always do. Yeah, but I don't know how they're going to get out without some kind of official release. I mean, you know, as as wanted as those photos are, there's just no way that they're not going to get released. I guess is my that's kind of my take on it. Well, there was a discussion on Fox today about uh, this afternoon about uh, the fact that you know Al Qaeda and, and the Taliban always showing pictures of people getting their heads cut off and executed and all that stuff. So we shouldn't worry about hurting their feelings. But the president again made a point. He made a good point that we're not at their level. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't want to be at their level, so that that's that that's that's good. I mean, it was a it was a I mean, part of me. Yeah, part of me wished he would have just come out to that podium, pulled out a bag, and been like, "And here's his head," you know, like <laughs> some kind of because that would have well, nobody neat with you. They, after that. It put neat they buried him at sea because now you got nothing. They they got no shrine they can go visit his grave or anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, that like, was, you know, it would have been like, wow, that was messed up. But, like, at the same time, you kind of go, well, nobody's going to mess with us now. You pull a guy's head out of a bag, you know, yeah. you're good. But I realize <laughs> yeah, we're was, supposed to not be savages. It would have been a newsmaker, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, shut all these conspiracy theorists down who sit there and think he's not dead. Which I, oh, I, I, can't I was I got to thinking about the conspiracy people because one of them called me today, one of my friends that's total absolute conspiracy guy and he's not on any side of the political spectrum he blinks he thinks everything you know he yeah. connects everything both parties are just as conspiratorial to him 
he's a one world order guy. You know, he believes that there's a conspiracy of the one world order and the yeah, the Bilderbergs yeah. and all that stuff. You've probably heard about some yeah, of that I've heard stuff. Heard of the New World Order and yeah, the yeah, the Bilderbergs and the and the uh, and, and uh, uh, the Rockefellers. Rockefellers. Yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah, <laughs> heard it all. If you think about, if you think about, well, you got your you got your people that do not believe Kennedy was killed by Oswald. Then you got your people that do not believe we went to the moon. Uh-huh. And then then you got your people that believe George Bush ordered the blow up of the twin towers. Mm-hmm. So I mean, any kind of conspiracy is going to fit real nice with this. This is this is going to be easy to come up with that. Oh yeah, you yeah. know. This is an easy one here. But then it's also that thing where you kind of go like, well, you're sort of shooting yourself in the foot at some point because, like, the people who are so sure that it's a conspiracy are also the same people that think, you know, oh, well, we should have got them here, we should have got them there, and it's all this different stuff. These are the same people who are, you know, 9-11 conspirators, and it's like, well, if you claim Obama didn't do it, then why are you arguing he's dead, or alive, rather? Or yeah. they didn't get him, or he died a long time ago, because it shouldn't matter to you. If you think that Bush or whoever, our own government, carried out 9-11, then you could care less what happened to bin Laden. <laughs> right? So it's it's like at some point, the conspiracy starts to sort of eat itself. Um, and I've, I've been dealing with that stuff. I, I did my podcast last night, and I had a friend of mine on who's super political, and, and he, he went off about all the conspirators and... And and he went through a series of good points. I mean, the guy studies everything like you wouldn't believe. And uh, he went through a series of points of like, prior to his election, Obama said if we had actionable intelligence that suggested that uh, Bin Laden was in Pakistan, we'd go after him. If the you know President Musharraf, I think it is, uh, wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't let us. And yet John McCain said no because Pakistanis, like you know, Pakistan's a. a, a sovereign nation and we shouldn't be marching in there and all this stuff and so obama had this plan sort of hatched in advance and then all the security meetings he's had in the last few months all this different stuff so yeah it's uh it's just kind of one of those things where you really have to be pulling at straws right now to be claiming it's a conspiracy but now i do believe there's some it was just an interesting thing again on on this news this afternoon they were talking about that. If you, I'm sure you've seen the photo. It's been on everywhere where the president and the cabinet are all in a little yeah. room, like in the White House. Yeah, yeah. And they're, what they're watching is the video that's on the helmets. Yeah. Of the uh, the Navy SEALs. Well, uh, Panetta came out today and said, "Well." We were not able to see the video of the when they actually killed him, and I'm thinking that's a lot of crap. I, I what did they do? Turn off the helmet video when they ran into the building? That would be kind of weird, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they saw the whole thing actually, but well, uh, I, I you could know, see like electricity going down or the darkness of the smoke or whatever have you. It would be difficult to actually see, you know, yeah. the actual shot. I could see that being something you'd be difficult to actually see you know what i'm saying that that makes sense that they wouldn't be able to see the actual shot that hit him yeah but the, the guy the, 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 on the spur of the moment the navy seal guys would have to turn off their helmet videos you know what i mean i, I just don't know whether they would do that i i, I don't they no, would probably no, i don't imagine that i'm saying that it might be you know dark inside of there who knows that they shut off their own power 
you know, with with all the smoke and the gunfire, everything else, uh, you know, I'm saying it, it yeah. stands, stands to reason that at some point the video would be very hard to discern what was going on with all. I still, to, I still would like to see the video that they saw. That's all. I think you and everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all those things are pretty neat things. See, I, I'm. I, so they I got love video the, of yeah, that. They got photos of the guy dead, and then they got video and photos of them dumping his body into the sea. Yeah. So it's. I mean, there's documentation, but I mean, it is. It. You know, whatever. It's strange that he's not releasing the photos, but at the same time, you know, I can kind of understand. Like, hey, let's not be savages. You know, let's release it. You know, in due time kind of bury the lead so to speak I just wonder how it's almost like the videos are going to be released by some other president or something I mean it's like Obama is not going to change his mind or something I don't know you know like the next administration comes in they kind of be off the hook they could just you know just release the release the video but anyway I love all this video this uh, CIA undercover assassinations and stuff I, I love this uh, to me I just I mean, I'm totally in favor of any way they do it myself. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I just like the way the whole thing is. Uh, like the Navy SEALs, like you'll never know who these guys are. You know, the actual people. Yeah, I thought for sure that, like I was talking to my friend last night, I said, you don't think in 20, 30 years they'll, they'll say, hey. And he said, no, you'll never know. They'll never talk about it. That seems no. weird to me. Well, it's just kind of part of their job. I mean, this is this you can imagine the stuff they've already done over the years. True. <laughs> Believe me, the CIA in that in that in that whole operation that that special ops thing, as they call it, that's a dangerous group of guys. Because I mean, they did invade a sovereign country. I mean, you know, you fly two helicopters in there. And, Parachute. I mean, drop the guys down on the ropes yeah. into the to the compound, yeah, <laughs> right yeah. in the middle of somebody's country like that. It's pretty. But you know what? I got. You notice that Pakistan has now become Pakistan. Have you noticed that? Uh, no, not really. Everybody pronounces it Pakistan now. I don't know. Hmm. Don't you think they had to know about this? Uh, you know, that's the weird thing is that both the U.S. and Pakistan are saying that they they didn't know. They just, oh. Their government says it makes us look really bad. And I go, yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, you know, I could, I mean, granted, our country is like 10 times the size of their country. Uh, and especially in that affluent neighborhood that they were in, it does make you wonder, like, what did you think was going on? But. You know, I imagine if you were in some rural area uh, in Tennessee, uh, you could probably build a compound and nobody would have any idea you were doing that. I mean, yeah, what but about the thing Waco, is, Texas, here's, you know? the, here's the thing about it. This is this is the part of it I wish they would get into. Okay. For one thing, you don't just build a building that size with walls around it and everything else. This is probably you got to get the materials. I mean, there's a lot of people involved. Right. In building something like that, those people know people. Their relatives know people. They talk about it. I mean, there's no way. I think they said it was built in 06. There's just no way that whole building went up without somebody in some sort of uh, uh, situation where they would know. I mean, you know, somebody in, in, uh, in power would know about that building. 
even though at the time it went up, I'm, I don't think that was probably the first thing they thought of was Obama going in there. But I noticed some of the neighbors, some of the, yeah, some yeah. of the old neighbors said that uh, they were suspicious that it was some kind of a drug guy, some kind of drug kingpin that probably right, because right. of the wall and the wiring and all that around it. Yeah. Which I think if I lived around here, I'd probably think the same thing. I don't think I would have immediately thought, oh, it must be Bin Laden. I don't think I would have thought that yeah, right that off the bat. Yeah, seems the last thing that one would think. But, uh, yeah, certainly something to investigate. I'll grant you that. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's weird. I mean, an official would go knock on the door and say, you know, do you, I mean, like, you wonder, like, I would like to know, is there such a thing as a permit in Pakistan? You know, I mean, is that thing? What's interesting is that town there is named after a British general, Abbottabad. Abbottabad or whatever, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I was, named after General Abbott. I was understanding it was something like it's where uh, something like retired military officials end up living. That seems to be the whole neighborhood. It's like, well, it's actually right near a base, right near an, uh, an army base is right in the same area same neighborhood basically yeah so it's uh i mean i don't know it, it seems it, the whole neighborhood is weird and i don't know if we'll get ever enough details to figure out one way or another um and naturally i don't think the pakistani government is going to come out and be like okay so we knew we just didn't want to say anything so <laughs> you know what yeah. you know the best thing i ever saw on the 9-11 bombing was put on by frontline on pbs where they got the scientists and they explained exactly how the building collapsed, uh, you know, how the fuel caused the fire, which, da, 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 da. and they had diagrams. I mean, it was just very factual kind of thing, you know? Right. Well, that's what they need in this case. They need somebody who can tell you, like, okay, when they built this building, it took X number of people to build it. They had to get this many materials. They had to get an okay from the government. You know, there's somebody's going to investigate that. You, you know, come up with a. Why is my? But what do you? I mean, but what do you do if you find? I picked the foggy. Yeah, it looks a little. It looks like the light is shining right at it. The light on your left. Yeah, that's a light coming from outside. But oh, yeah, just what now. I'm saying, just I wonder now what. I wonder whether the lens is uh, dirty. I think it's because the light. Because when you put your hand up, it looked fine. When you block the light. Yeah, well, hold on. hold on. You just did it. There I, we go. Let's see if I put the. If I put the. Uh, and that looks, there we go. And there we go. See, now it doesn't look so far. That, that's right. That's what it was. It was the light. Yeah, crazy. I was standing straight up. I look like Frankenstein. <laughs> I'm glad I, I come from a family where none of the men have ever lost their hair. So far. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, this would be a very. I, if I, I could deal with like being late fifties and my hair starts to starts to die out a little bit, I'd be fine with that. But, well, I remember my grandfather, Leo T. the first. He had very thick, heavy hair. I mean, he had like it was white, but it was long. You know, it was yeah, big. Yeah. yeah, it was filled up his whole head. He never showed any bald spots. Uh, I have a little bit of a spot in the back that probably comes from the chair I sit in a lot. Well, I see. I mean, it's a little thin up front, but for the most part, you got a full head of hair. Yeah, well, this right here is so gray that it looks like that scalp. But see, if I laid it down. Oh, I got you. I see. Yeah, yeah. 
saying you could do it like that. I mean, I just kind of got it messed up right now. But right. see this this big gray thing in the middle right here. Yeah. I, I was looking at some pictures about my forehead. I was looking at some older pictures, and there's no doubt that my forehead is larger. And my hair does have a thinness to it, but it's always been a little thin. I've never had really thick hair, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a friend who wears like a hair piece, and and whenever I had my mohawk, he was always he would he would say to me almost every time he saw me, he'd be like, "I just don't understand somebody who can grow a full head of hair and chooses to shave half of it off." <laughs> That's a good point, right there. Really, yeah, very, yeah. very good point. We had a raccoon uh, problem. You know, here I am living in big metroplex, six million people around me, and what we made the mistake of leaving some cat food on the back patio. Huh. And what happened was one night. I always have a thing I do right before I go to sleep. I make the rounds of all the doors. I turn the outside lights on. I turn the big spotlight in the back on just to kind of check things sure. right before I go to sleep. So one night, it's been a while back, I do that. And on the patio eating the cat food is a raccoon. Wow. I'm talking about this is a pretty big animal. A raccoon is not like a, a, a possum or something. I mean, it's it's pretty big. Yeah, yeah. So... We got to where every now and then we'd throw this cat food out just to watch the raccoon come around, see? Well, <laughs> all of a sudden, one day, I'm out in the back mowing the grass, and we have a, a real peaked roof in the back that goes over the dining area uh, in the back of the house. And the peak roof, where it goes on to the regular roof, is one of the little places where the water drains down, okay? So in that crack where the water drains down, I see a hole in the tiles of the roof. Uh-oh. And I'm a little concerned about it because now the next morning I get up and I see insulation from inside the attic on the roof. Something oh, wow, I got you. The insulation off. Like so a I, nest or something. I call this guy that I use. His name is Danny. He's an older guy. He's really a character. He's my roof guy. He comes over there, and he immediately says, well, you got a raccoon. I said, what do you mean? He said, that's the only thing that would be able to do with that day. He said, squirrel could never do that, and he wouldn't do it. And it's, it's definitely a raccoon. <laughs> so... Well, he he. Anyway, it's fixed now. He's he, he's going to complete the job tomorrow morning. But what he did, he put a metal piece over the hole and nailed it over the hole. And we were hoping. Well, I hope the raccoon is not in the attic when he puts this up. Yeah, I was just thinking that he wouldn't be able to get out. So he went up in the attic and you know very carefully. He said raccoons are not something you want to fool with. They're very aggressive. They will actually attack you. And they're very smart. They have claws. You know, they really, you know, you wouldn't want to be in a fight with a raccoon. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And uh, I never thought of him in that way, but he, he knows about this kind of stuff. He said he used to hunt raccoons. <laughs> so anyway, he gets up in the attic, and he's humming hard around up there. I don't hear anything, and he's banging around. I said, 
I said, the only thing I want you to do is make sure you're walking on the rafters, because if you take a step off a rafter onto the floor, well, I know about that. I'll fall into your house, <laughs> which is what your mother did. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And uh, so he banged around up there for a while, and he, he was pretty convinced the raccoon wasn't in there before we made the final nailing down of the, the patch. So he's going to come complete the job. I'm going to have a metal strip that goes all the way up, and then he's going to fill it over. He put the tiles across the top of the metal. But it was pretty interesting. A raccoon attacked my roof. <laughs> That's what you get for feeding him cat food. Yeah. Oh, it was definitely no doubt about it. He, he, uh, we, he, the other thing we were worried about was that because of the time of year, we were worried maybe it was a female trying to find a place to have little raccoons. Oh, yeah, yeah. You don't want that. that would be, that would have been, and maybe that's what it was doing. <laughs> You know, he might have been just like searching for a spot kind of thing. Like yeah, she yeah. It was a female. In fact, that's what the roof guy thinks it was. He thinks he was looking for a place your, to nap. Your neighbors are all scared, right? <laughs> I didn't tell any of them. Oh, that's probably good. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to tell them. The guy, if I told my conspiracy friend next door, he would have a whole thing that the, you know, the raccoons <laughs> fired up to something and they're trying to These spook These are remote up. control raccoons from the government yeah, looking to watch they, them. They, the government is wanting to listen to me through the attic, you know, and all that. Yeah, yeah, naturally. That does but, make me uh, wonder, uh, how do you, uh, what's your uh, opinion of Obama now? I, you know. Well, like I say, that was the best speech he's given. I mean, I, 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 I just don't favor him as the president. I don't think he, I don't think he's presidential, let's put it that way. Certain presidents are not presidential, you know. Okay. And George Bush was not really presidential. That's about George Bush that. was second. Yeah. Now, the original George Bush was very presidential. I mean, he, this is a guy that worked in Congress. He was the head of the CIA. Yeah. He was an ambassador. I mean, he did everything. He was a vice president. Right. So he was, you know, he was. And how do you right. feel about the Republican running mates that, if, that hasn't well, really announced anything? Well, I don't anything. think going to win because he's a Mormon. Okay. I don't know why the Republicans. You know, the Republicans have come up with some pretty weak candidates. When you figure the people that ran against Clinton, and I mean, they just come up with some. Like, Romney is the, right now in the lead, okay? He, there's no way he gets elected. There is no way. It's, it's just not going to happen. So they're going to have to have, like, Gingrich or, you know, Donald Trump. <laughs> now, what do you. Yeah, no. Trump seems like a far, far, far shot. I mean, it seems like this is just no, no way. Trump would do is if he stays on a Republican ticket, that's fine because he won't get nominated. But if he decides to run as an independent, it's going to kill the Republicans because he will get votes. He will get lots of votes, but he would never win the presidency. But he would he would get lots. Of votes. Hmm. I, I want to see Tom Hanks. That's who I want as a, as a Republican. Well, actually, even if he was a Democrat, I'd have to tell you, I would probably select Tom Hanks. Now, I I've trust never Tom. Heard, yeah, I've never heard that he was running. Is that is there rumbling? No, no, I've never. I made that up. Oh, I, okay, okay. I, I, I just came up with the. You know, we were talking the other night about, you know, who should be the, the next president. I said Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea if he's even got any ambition to. He seems like he does because he's he's you know he's he's an officer within the Actors Guild and right. he's got that leadership thing about him. Right, right. And uh, I think what he needs to do is run for governor of California. 
Yeah. He's still a young guy. Yeah, he could do it. He could do it. Uh, what about Alec Baldwin? I've heard him mentioned a million times because he's super political. Alec Baldwin. I need Tom. I trust Tom Hanks. I just yeah, trust right. it. No matter what he does, or I mean, I just. I know he's going to do the right thing. So that's the guy you want in there. The problem I have with Obama is he's got an agenda. And I, I just, I don't like agendas. What do you think his agenda is? Well, I hate to bring this up. I just think that, yeah, I'm not going to say this. No, I'm not going to say all right, it. All right. I, I, that, uh, I just think that, the pressure that he's under comes from different places besides just Republicans, and I think he, I think he feels like there's things that he has to do. That this is his opportunity, him and his followers. I guess I'll put it that way. This is their opportunity to get things the way they've always wanted them. Now they're not going to get them that way, but he's going to try the best he can. And which means government intrusion into our lives. So that's the problem I have with him. It's really nothing to do with how he looks or his name or his birth certificate or any of that stuff. I, I don't. I'm not impressed by any of that as far as deciding who he is and all that. Right. But he does have an agenda, and I think the agenda comes from places other than Republican problems. And I just, uh, I like the scene being patriotic because we have definitely lost that patriotism in this in this country. Now, is there anything that, when I was, I was thinking this when I heard the news, because it was a certain uh, moment of pride that scared me. Uh, <laughs> um Is there anything in your in your upbringing or your life that you could compare this to from a government perspective, politically, whatever have you. Because I was thinking this might have been what it was like when you heard that Hitler was dead, but by that point it didn't really matter because the war was over. And and this is not anywhere near the level of World War II is over. Because I can't I imagine think, what you'd feel that United, If the United States had raided Hitler's bunker and killed Hitler and took his body and dumped it in the ocean, it would have probably been newsworthy. But because of the fact that he committed suicide... And to this day, we don't really know, because the Russians won't tell us. Mm. Uh, we really don't know what happened with that. But, uh, I mean, there's pictures of burned bodies uh, yeah, yeah. at the bunker, and people claim it's him and his wife, uh, Eva Braun. But, uh, you know, in those days of no DNAs or anything, you never know what that was, because the Russians are in control of it. And who knows what they're coming up with. Yeah. I would say... The feeling that a lot of people had when we went to the moon was pretty patriotic. Okay. And I think the uh, the feeling during the Bush administration uh, when uh, the second Bush, when, uh, when we went after Saddam and found him in that hole, which was really wonderful to find him where he was. Sure. So that, that kind of gave you that feeling. And I think this one relieves some of the feeling of people that were closer to 
the 9-11 thing, people that lived in New York, people who knew people, people who were related to people, or people who were actually in the building at some point and got out. Yeah. All those people have to be, you know, just overly joyed to the point we couldn't even realize. We wouldn't be able to really realize what, what that was like. But was I a, would say uh, those are the kind of moments that that I remember is the is the things like the moon. I mean, I was I felt that way when Reagan got elected. That was the first time I really had a person I really favored to be the president before he was president and he became president. That was the first time that ever happened to me was with Reagan. Right. And it wasn't that I didn't like or dislike certain presidents. I mean, I actually liked Richard Nixon, but uh, it was not something I was hoping for that he would be president of it. But Reagan was, I was pulling for Reagan prior to, you know, him even being nominated. See, that's the way I felt about Obama. Oh, my goodness. Can't I just, imagine. I just, uh, you know, I, I like the guy. He's, he's got a nice vibe the to him. He, the problem he has is the pressure that he has to do certain things in some cases may not even be his idea or maybe just something that he would rather not fool with. But he's having, he has to do it because it's their opportunity, I guess you'd say. And who they are, I'll let other people figure that out. Right, but right. Well, I mean, I like that he, he repealed the ban on stem cell research. I like that, you know, there's question of his birth certificate. He released both the short and long form and said, you know, uh, we don't have time for all this silliness. And then a few days later, there's the bin Laden thing. There's quite a lot that he's done that, that I was happy with. But I mean, yeah. you know, I, I'm also... I said you were happy with him before all that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I've still made jokes about him and stuff where it's like, because it does seem like a lot of times, really what it comes down to is, you know, in my life, it doesn't seem like the president does a whole lot necessarily. Like, they don't have as much power as at, when I was a kid. It sounded like they had. It made, it made you sound like the president really had the iron fist when I was a kid. But, you know, as you grow up, either it's changed politically or I've just understood more. It doesn't seem like they're quite as in control of everything as. Uh, so I'm kind of of the oh. mind where it's like it doesn't really matter that much who's in the office. Um, oh yeah, it does. I'm sorry, it does. It does from the standpoint of programs that you're trying to get done, things that you think should be done. The president is the one that initiates those things. Now he doesn't initiate all of them, however. I mean, let's take, for instance, George Bush II. Right. All right, he comes into office with these gentlemen all the age of his daddy, the vice president, Rumsfeld. Uh, what was the name of the other guy? Uh, Colin Powell? No, not Colin Powell. The, the other white guy, Jewish guy. Anyway, those three guys, the vice president, Rumsfeld and this other guy. Those three guys pushed him into the presidency and the reelection, and their agenda was one that he followed. Right. Now that was that was a little bit of a minus in my mind because uh, I'd have rather seen him 
do other things. But the thing that saved him in my mind, to me, for me personally, was George Bush is the kind of guy you wouldn't mind going to eat lunch with and drink a beer. I mean, he is just like a regular guy is really what he is. There's nothing extraordinary about him. He's just a regular guy. He's he likes sports. He's a he's very athletic. In fact, he's he likes to hunt. He, you know, he's just a regular guy. He, that's what he is. He's not a pretentious guy in any way. I would I would argue the same thing about Obama is that he comes off as a regular guy because he talks when he goes on talk shows and stuff. He'll let down his guard and start talking about pop culture and things like this. He called yeah. Kanye West a jackass. You know, things like that where it's like. It's goofy, but you know that makes him seem very like in touch. Yeah, and normal but person. I'm telling you, he's he, he's his agenda will hurt the country. It's already hurt the country. It's hurt the country in actual terms, and it's certainly hurt the psychology of the country. The fact that there's so much uncertainty that it's killing us economically. Is there something that he would do that would suddenly, if he blank? You'd be like, all right, I'm Team Obama. I'll vote for him next time. Uh, or be team, no, no, because There's he's nothing. not going to. He's not going to do. Well, he's not going to do theoretically. Oh well, theoretically. I mean, you, you could say that about anybody. Theoretically, no, I'm just curious if it's if it's. You know, I mean, if of, he suddenly if he suddenly said, okay, you know, we don't need government run health care. <clears throat> we don't need government run health care. We don't need to tax the rich people who now pay almost all the taxes anyway. We need to give tax breaks to businesses. That's who needs the tax breaks because that will hire people. If he came up with those three things, just give me those three right there. Uh, you know, he would be a pretty good president. But, he, you know, let's face it, none of those three things is going to happen. <laughs> he's totally, he's too obligated right. to make this one chance a full boat attempt to have the government run our lives. And unfortunately, there's people that would like the government to, to run their life. They, they, they like the feeling of someone else responsible for them instead of themselves. There's a lot of people like that. I mean, it, that's not just you know, poor people or Spanish people or black people, there's a lot of people that are that way. I understand. I mean, you know, I, I get the I get the the basic notion of it. Sure. It's, it's the, but anyway, uh, I just I just think that's what he has on his plate that he's going to have to push, try to push through. I think he's going to fail at it, and therefore he probably won't get reelected because of it. But. Uh, the speech he gives tomorrow is going to be a very interesting speech because he has to stay, in my opinion, if he has any chance of getting reelected, he has to stay on the same line as the speech he gave before. He cannot in any way blow his own whistle or do anything political. Now, he would be foolish to do that anyway because that speech is going to be done with all those 9-11 people around. Yeah. But... A lot of those 9-11 people voted for him. A lot of them. I mean, New York is Democratic, right? not Republican. So he's talking to friends there. So he's going to be tempted to talk about some of this agenda stuff. 
because after all, the whole world's going to be watching him. So I, I'm kind of interested in, in that speech. I, I, I just think he's got an opportunity to be viewed a little differently, I think, uh, enough so that he could actually win re-election with one speech. So but what that. I'm saying is that you are saying there's no real Republicans high in the running that you personally feel uh, good towards, let's say. or like Well, I think I, actually uh, two things could happen. One is the thing everybody forgets, the Democrat, he could actually get to such a point where the Democrats in charge of the Democratic Party may want to put somebody else in there for him. They could always make some excuse about it, but uh, uh, that that's always a possibility. Mm-hmm. But as far as who's going to run against him, the feel that I'm looking at, uh, <laughs> they look pretty weak to me. I mean, I, I don't... Right, but you vote for them no anyway way, over... Wait, there's no way Romney wins, okay? Okay, let's I get forget. that. And you wouldn't vote Romney anyway. Well, I'd vote for him before I'd vote for Obama. That's what I was wondering about. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Let's see who I would vote for before I vote for. <laughs> That's a <laughs> long a list, I'm sure. Yeah. A lot of people I'd vote. I'd vote for Manny Pacquiao, the welterweight championship of the world. Champion of the world is not even a citizen. I'd vote for him before I vote for Obama. Mm. No, I, I can't vote for somebody who is so guided by I got you now kind of thinking. Gotcha. Yeah, I so can't. I, did you watch the royal wedding? Yeah, oh, definitely. I love weddings, man. I love weddings. I remember I'm in, watching the royal wedding when I was a kid and thinking, "What is all this madness?" And it wasn't until years later I found out what I was even watching. You know what's I funny? Didn't, I didn't watch I, this one. Tell you where I found. You know, PBS had it on for nine and a half hours. Jesus God! Did you bow your head when you said that? Absolutely not. Okay. I'm just glad you realized you could say that name. Uh, uh, yeah, because it doesn't affect anybody. Here's the thing about it is, what was I going to say? You're talking about the royal wedding. PBS had it on for yeah. nine hours. Okay. Yeah, nine and a half hours. Okay. I'm flipping around trying to find some way that I can watch the key moments of the thing because it had already taken place by the time I'm looking. I mean, I didn't get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to watch. Right. I'm at 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm flipping through my guide on my cable thing, and I come up with a channel called Reels, R-E-E-L-Z. Okay, yeah. All right? Heard of it. And this is actually an entertainment channel. I mean, it's all about movie stars. They have a they have a running screen thing on the bottom. It's always got, you know, stuff about different movie stars are making this movie or this guy's marrying that guy, you know, and that kind of thing. Right. What they had was what they call a recap of the wedding. So that's what I watched. And that was good because it's, you know, long. I mean, you know, it was about three and a half hours. Jesus. But didn't go through all the stuff with it. You know, I mean, it was very good. Very good. Very good coverage. And there was very little commercial interruptions. And the commercial that was was very short. But because they had already recorded it and they kind of picked through it, it sort of the way it ran on there it almost seemed like you didn't miss anything. The way they together, I think three and a half hours. I'd say you didn't miss anything. (laughs) Well, I missed six hours of the other record of the other uh, part of it. I'm sure you missed a lot of like staring at people on the streets and. 
Well, what it was was the, fir- the beginning of it. I was watching the beginning of it just to see how where they were going to begin. And they begin with all these British commentators sitting in this room talking about what's going to happen. Yeah. I was thinking, now, you know, this is a waste of time. But uh, so that was the way, that's the way the PBS thing began. And I just thought, no, I'm not doing this. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, the reels had it, had a really good coverage of it. And, and, And the thing that I enjoyed a lot about it was at the Abbey there, where in the big church, there's so much history that I'm aware of. You know, that's Henry VIII, this is the one that started the Church of England. I mean, it's a Catholic church, basically. It's a Catholic religion, basically. But mm-hmm. they just only answer to the Pope. Because Henry VIII wanted to divorce somebody and marry somebody else, and he ended up beheading both of them eventually. But uh, he he couldn't get Sir Thomas More or the Pope to allow him to annul his marriage so he could marry again. So he started his own, you know, he started the Church of England, which is what that was. That 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 Archbishop of Canterbury that said the vows. He's he's a direct descendant of the original Archbishop that Henry VIII appointed, see? Yeah. So there's a lot of history. Also some of the greatest people from England, usually most of them artists, are buried in the basement of the Abbey. Charles Dickens, you know, that kind of people. Right, right. Plus all the kings and everything, they're buried there, too. It's a pretty interesting place. So I liked the fact that it had a Catholic thing to it. I mean, it was very exactly word-for-word kind of thing that you would have if you had seen a Catholic wedding. I mean, it was very much the same. You know, they had the one family on one side, another family on the other side. and You know, it was very, very similar. So I enjoyed that part. I just liked the whole idea, the, you know, the gown and the trailing thing. I mean, I just think it's great. Okay. Now, her sister, her sister was cuter than her, I actually thought, the younger sister. Yeah. She played the maid of honor. She's going to have a hell of a time trying to uh, impress the parents now, though. Well, you know, who knows? You know, she might marry uh, the Monaco king or somebody. By the way, I have decided that uh, I can make an announcement. (laughs) Okay. My wife will be happy to hear this. I'm often asked, you know, if if I had my choice of playing one golf course and I was never going to play again, what golf course I would choose? And it's pretty easy. It's Pebble Beach. Everybody knows that. Okay. Well, we got a discussion here with a bunch of golf guys. We got a discussion about if you could have, if you were in a situation, either because of money or because of your family or whatever it is, you could live wherever you wanted to live on the planet. Where would you live? Well, a lot of guys just picked Vegas or Miami or something like that. Or some of them picked Tuscany, you know, in Italy. Okay. Well, I can tell you where I would move in a second. Monaco. The French Riviera, where they speak English and Italian and French. Everybody speaks three languages. It's a little bitty. You've heard of Prince Rainier and Grace Kelly. Uh, the names sound familiar, yeah. Okay. Prince Rainey and Grace Kelly was a thing back in the 50s and 60s. She was a movie star, and she married <laughs> Prince Rainier, who was family. It's a monarchy. 
Okay. The tree. And if you go on, if you go, if you, I guess, Google it or whatever you want to do and pull it up, you'll see that it's a very small little place right on the Mediterranean, but it's a sovereign country of its own. There's no poverty or any kind of problems there. They have some very big sporting events, including Formula One racing and tennis and golf. And all I, that. I know it mostly from the Formula One because the Monaco Raceway. Yeah. It's an yeah, video Mon- game I've ever played. <laughs> The Monte Carlo, you know, casino is there. Okay, okay. Famous gambling place. And there's a lot of wealthy people that have their primary residence registered there because there's no income tax. Quite a few of the international sports stars, you know, soccer players, uh, tennis players, that play in international type events, the Formula One drivers. A lot of them live in Monaco because of that reason. That's where I would live. That's me. Just move right in. Very easy to get around from right there. It's a beautiful place. The weather's ideal. Is it just too expensive? What holds you back? Well, that would be number one on the list of holding me back, yes. <laughs> it's very I, mean, I have no idea. I mean, you know. That is. Well, you're gonna when you get a spare time, if you Google it up and check out the the, the kingdom there, uh, you'll see what I mean. It's it's just uh, you know. Plus, there's a lot of stuff that you know. I just can't think of doing something like that. Do you have to give up your citizenship and all that, or what? Or well, I, think, I don't think you know. You don't have to give up your citizenship, no. But. Uh, you know, certain laws that I would have to read up on, you know, if I was actually thinking of doing that. But it's too many people involved in my life for me to think of doing stuff like that. That's always been the case with me. <laughs> I've never done exactly what I wanted to do because there's too many other people involved. But, you know, I'm not alone in that. Everybody's got that to some extent. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, for me, it would just be money. I don't know that I would. You know, if I had the money, I would obviously be able to visit whenever, whoever. So I wouldn't really worry. But yeah, well, you're 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 in a much better situation from that standpoint than I've ever been. I mean, you know, the freedom that you have to make those kind of decisions is. Right. Well, I think that's been my, for better or worse, my number one um, priority: <laughs> keeping that freedom to do whatever. Yeah. And, I mean, I just, uh, you know, I'm just kind of a different dude when it comes to that, I guess. I, yeah. I shouldn't say I'm different. You're the one that's more different than I am. I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah, probably I'm always so. think, you know, you like to think of yourself. when you, As you get older, you think a lot about these kind of subjects. Like, you know, what have I accomplished? Or, you know, has it been worthwhile for me to even be here? You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so you think about... You know, why did you do such and such? You know, what made you make that decision? And I can honestly say, although I have a reputation of being selfish, I can honestly say that almost any major decision I ever made was guided by somebody else. You know, it was always somebody else having to be involved either in my thoughts about the decision or in actually making the decision, either one or the other. You know, I'm not complaining about that because, you know, I, I, 
I've made enough bad decisions that I probably don't need to make any more. I had somebody <laughs> make them for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's what people like that like Obama. They, they like somebody else to make decisions for them. I'll be right back. I need to use the bathroom real quick. Here he goes. Now what am I going to do? Just I'm going to cut this out of the podcast later. Don't worry about oh, okay. it. I'll only be gone like a minute. You know, uh, I was just going to go look for something. Are you there? Yeah. Uh, I couldn't find it right away. I know where it is. I'll have to go there later and look at for, for it. The last time you mentioned Formula One, or I mentioned it, you mentioned it, something you're familiar with. The last Formula One race in the United States was held in Phoenix when yeah. I was when I was living there, and I went to it and took a bunch of pictures and all of that. I remember you and I driving the course before yeah, we were still setting it up, and I had a bunch of pictures of it, but I got them in a different number of different kinds of cigar boxes and stuff. And this is not the box they're in. So I went to get this box thinking it was in here. But I, I did want to tell you that in here are some wonderful pictures. I saw that one, yeah. You, me, and the dog, and Toby. You you have that picture? I do. Okay, so then that means you must have this picture. Me hugging Toby. I've seen that recently. I don't know if I have it. Maybe you have. Maybe Meredith got it. Yeah, Maybe. You probably don't want to see any more of these, but I got some great ones. Well, I just can't show them. You know, it's one of those. Just yeah, oh, yeah, you can't show You just have to talk about it. Yeah. but uh, I don't mind looking at them. I'm fine with that. But, you know. Next to the pool with... Oh, okay. Now, I have not seen that one ever before. Oh, look at me and Meredith chilling by the pool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how long it's been since I've seen that one. Anyway, I don't know if you want to see any more of these. I got a million of them. But um, see, so you need to, to scan all those in. You need to go to one of them photo centers. They have them, you know, CVS or whatever. And yeah, scan them all in. It takes a few minutes, and then you email them off, and we're all good. Do you remember Sheila's boyfriend Stan? Of course, the only boyfriend I remember. There he is by the pool with Toby. Yeah, I see that. I always kid Sheila about Stan because I, I really liked Stan. He just wasn't marriage material, I suppose. <laughs> Whatever happened with him, she still talked to him? I don't think she sees him or anything. I think he lives in Houston. There's me and my Yankee hat. Got yeah. the Y hat on. Yeah, it's got was... a Y on it. <laughs> that was from the Yankees team I was on. Yeah. <laughs> Probably Bob's Trucking Yankees or something. I don't know. Yeah. You were so precious. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Back then, you were just a precious child. This is you and Meredith in front of the house. Okay, that one I have. Yeah, you got that one. Okay. Yeah. This is you actually with a golf club in the backyard. Wow, I've never seen that photo. There you go. You got a golf club and a ball's on the ground. You can't really see it too good. Now I get the <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And I wore some tall sh- or some shorts that really rode up on me, huh? Now, this is the Sunday morning. We're getting ready to go to church. Yeah, I got a few of those. I don't think I have that specific one where I'm shrugging my shoulders. It's good. I remember you used to get us all dressed up and make us take photos in our literal Sunday best. There you are with the A2000. Yeah, I've seen that one. I got that one somewhere. (laughs) The A2000 is a baseball glove for people listening at home. It was me throwing a baseball. Famous baseball glove that you still have, amazingly. 
Yeah, I hang on to stuff, man. I'm a pack rat like that's, that. That's good. That's a good thing. But I show you, I showed you this picture that I keep on my desk of me. Yeah, yeah, you and the steps. Showed you that one, yeah. Yeah. I got one of Marilyn Monroe here, but I better not show you that one. <laughs> um, seen that one. You seen it? Yeah, Dad used to have it up in his office. Oh no, no, this is uh, this is a this is a little pocket size. Oh, okay. Thing. Let's remember, Dad had that centerfold one. He always hung up. Yeah, well, I have that one in my bedroom. All right, well, there you go. It's a calendar thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a yeah. big deal back then, yeah. This was actually taken at the same time, the picture I have up on my desk, because it's got that same red curtain in the back and the same naked bo- woman on the curtain. But... uh I don't know if there's anything. I thought she had. I thought she was lying down on a bed because she's like, looks like she's no, lying down. No, she's on, out. on a red curtain. I swore she was lying down. Ah, uh, big old Woody Allen photo. You ever the woods. You got to get that signed one day, huh? Well, the day that I saw him, the night that we saw him in person in New York playing in a jazz band, he wasn't signing anything. He was. He was very focused on his music. Yeah, I can imagine. But uh, it was fun. That was a trip we will never forget. I can only imagine, yeah. That was a wonderful, wonderful time, really. Uh, Anyway, so there it is. Yeah, I was wondering, because you said you had a few topics you wanted to get to, or did the royal wedding and uh, Bin Laden... I was going to talk about the royal wedding and and, and Bin Laden and the raccoon. Okay. And... um, the weather we've been having. Two days ago, it was 39 degrees. Jeez. The coldest in the history of May in Dallas. Yeah, that's pretty cold. Springtime. It's yeah. 83 right now. Degrees. Well, we got up to 80 today. But this was, you know, in the early evening. Looks like it'll drop I think down it was to... Monday. Uh... I think it was Monday. I think it was May the 2nd. Yeah. But, uh... Really oh, weird weather. Of course, they've been having all kinds of tornadoes and hail and all that, but it's mostly the north of us. But the storm that hit Alabama that killed those 300 people was a storm that first came through here, but it was it came down from the Canada, basically, and it swept through the northern part of Texas, just north of us. Some of the suburbs up north of here got hit with it, and then it swept southeast into Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, that way. Yeah, Louisiana cannot get a break, huh? Well, you know, they sinned for a long time, so we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can't laugh too hard, I'll cough. Not really. Yeah. So, uh, let's see, there was something about somebody dying or something that seemed like... I didn't write this down. It was something about somebody. I can't remember now what it was. Anyway, whatever. I guess it wasn't. It wasn't that important. I suppose. I'm trying to think if any celebrities died recently, other than I wouldn't call well, them celebrity. Well, Liz Taylor. Liz Taylor was the big one. Yeah, but that was a few weeks ago. This was. This was. No, this was somebody that you don't even know, but I know. Hmm. Okay. Oh, oh! This was uh, this was uh, we actually used to call him Rocky. His name was Salvaggio, and uh, 
he's a guy who actually lived in New Orleans and moved to Tucson. Wow. When we were living in Arizona, he lived in Tucson, and I actually saw him a couple of times. And he was a very spooky character. Uh, he knew all the connections. He was older than me. Right. He knew all the people in New Orleans, you know, all the connected yeah. people. And the word was that he had to move to uh, Arizona to get away from some problem. Witness protection kind of stuff, or just on his own report? Well, no, I don't think it could have been witness protection, because I knew he was in Arizona, so... <laughs> it wasn't... If it was witness protection, they didn't keep it too secret. No, no, no. I think it was just uh, some kind of personal problem he was having in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Now, he moved to Tucson... You know, like during a period when we were living in Houston, say like in the 70s. And uh, when we finally moved to uh, Phoenix, in fact, when we were still in Flagstaff, when I was in Phoenix at one point, I actually looked him up and ended up talking to him on a phone. And then when we moved down there, we kind of got together a couple of times. And he was quite a character. I mean, a real lively live example of one of the boys. I mean, he was really... Right, right. He was dangerous, man. He was something else. But he died. Yeah. And uh, I got a call about it from one of the guys that lives there, and I visit when I go there every time. It lives over in uh, Troon. Troon where the Troon Village is there up by Pinnacle Peak up that way yeah I don't know that one no you don't know this guy he's no I'm just saying I don't know that area so his name is, name is Russo he's he's been around for a while but uh, he, he called me about uh, Rocky Salvage so I said well are they going to bury him in Tucson he said yeah I went to the funeral he's buried in Tucson never got married this guy Never was married. Good call. He was just, you know, too involved with his work. <laughs> yeah, sounds like me. There you go. Yeah, just okay. like it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was uh, that was something I wanted to mention. Rocky Salvaggio. Oh, you gotcha, you gotcha. You you remember Bob Bruce? Uh, not offhand now. About Bob Bruce. Uh, do you remember Frank, Uncle Frank, coming by to see us, and we went up to Vegas with him? Uh, me and Dad went with him. My Uncle Frank. Probably not. No. And that would have been when we I had moved. Dad to that. talking about Vegas a lot, but I don't think I ever. Well, I actually think that that might have been the only time he ever went to Vegas was when I took him up there with Frankie. Huh. He used to talk about it a lot. But I don't think he ever went there. I don't think he went there with my mother or anything. They travel quite a bit, but they never did have any conventions or anything. And uh, they used to go to conventions, and he would take her with him. Because you remember he he would paint, and I remember he painted a photo probably around that time. He painted a photo of somebody playing craps, and I just remember giggling because I was like, "Hey, hey, craps!" Didn't realize it was a game. Do you think he painted a photo of somebody playing craps, or was it a no, it was crap just, 
photo. It was like a photo of a craps table and two big dice. Is all I remember. I don't think there was any people in the photo. Hold on a minute. No, I have a feeling Dad's going to pull out the painting that I'm talking about. I apologize in advance, everyone listening, that I sound terrible right now because I'm sick. So let's see what we got here. Did it look anything like this? That would be the one. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Showing the one. Parallel yeah. apopodons. He's got it written at the bottom. Yeah, what what is the parallel apopodons? That's got to do with the name, the scientific name, I guess you'd say, of the dice. Uh, parallel apopodon. Piper. Huh. He was very intrigued by the dice and what they meant and how you could put them in a certain configuration so 11 all the way around no matter how you looked at them and uh, he used to actually have a craps table in his apartment when he lived in Phoenix and he would throw for hours he would throw the dice just to see the odds on what you know how many times it took to throw a 7 or how many times it took to make your number you know and that kind of thing I don't remember that at all. I remember a lot oh, of his yeah. hobbies. I don't remember that one. Yeah, that was during a time when he was making the bird cages. I remember the bird cages, yeah. He was big yeah, on those bird yeah. cages. During that same time, he made this little table, sort of a miniature crap table where he could throw the dice against it and it would bounce back, you know, just like a crap table. But it was smaller than a real crap table, obviously. But yeah. uh, it had all the numbers and all just like a crap table. And he he would he would practice and he claimed that he could definitely if he was in Vegas he would make millions <laughs> he's not alone in that thought <laughs> no I don't imagine he would be <laughs> but yeah that's the parallel of Pipedons. I have a number of his uh, memorabilia uh, things that when he died I took uh, control of Right, right. You know, paintings and drawings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Did you get any of the bird cages? No, actually, I don't think he had any bird cages by the time he moved to uh, Mississippi. Yeah, as I, say, I think he sold a bunch of them. I remember, he was Must making, have, that, yeah. making that but, into a business kind of thing. Well, you know, over the years, <clears throat> me as a little bitty boy, remember the homing pigeons we had. <laughs> in our backyard at a pigeon coop with the homing pigeons. Right. And we went through that period. Then he had the quail egg business where he had these quails and he would raise the quails and he had a little thing that he made. He was a genius making things right. where the quails would lay an egg and the egg would roll down this little rod he put in a little wooden trough-like thing, and the, water, the eggs would roll down into this little pot-like thing. And then he would pickle the eggs and put them in a jar. So his idea was, of course, to make millions <laughs> selling eggs. But uh, that didn't turn out too good. But he had a lot of those kind of things, uh, you know, that he kind of dicking around with while working for Shell Oil Company all those years. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't anything that he, where he quit his job to go do, you know. Yeah, Thank yeah. goodness. <laughs> but but he uh, he was he was pretty much a he could just about make anything. I mean, 
Yeah, he was big on making stuff, and uh, he taught me a lot of making, like, building skills and stuff. A lot of it I've forgotten, but he taught me how to take apart guns and make new handles on them and stuff, too. Remember we used to do that? Yeah, yeah. He used to have a bunch of guns. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Tom, Tom's got all those guns now. Remember he made it himself an ivory handle for a 9mm once. And, uh, yeah. Like, a, out of an ivory tusk that he somehow came across. And uh, I remember the progression over the you know weeks or whatever as he windled it down kind of thing, and then he showed me how to put it on and put it together and how he made it and everything. It's really cool. Well, I remember him showing me right after the movie Dirty Harry came out. He he calls me up and says, "You got to see this." So I go over to his house and he's got a three fifty seven just like just like Dirty Harry. And he says, "You know," he says, "I'm gonna have to put different handles on this." <laughs> <laughs> No telling what he paid for that, you know, big old. I mean, it's, it's the size of a cannon, you know. You see one of them live, a huge, yeah, real yeah. happy, you know. Yeah, yeah. What was he going to, what, what was he, you know, I mean, he was a member of the Rifle Association, and he used to. Yeah. He, <laughs> he used to, uh, he used to, when he figured out what you could do is if you took a primer and, a, and uh, some wet tissue paper, you could make a sort of indoor bullet. And so he'd set up little targets in his apartment we could shoot at. We'd You're shoot. kidding me. Yeah, I'm serious. So we used with a real gun, you mean? Yep, real gun, real like bullet casings with a primer. And then instead of a, instead of bullet powder or gunpowder, instead of a gunpowder and a, and a slug, it was just empty except for a wad of tissue paper on the end. And he'd shoot it at these targets he had in his house. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, again, I, I don't. I don't think like I've been meaning to go to a gun range. I'm pretty sure I'd forget everything I learned back then, except for don't ever point a finger, point a gun at somebody unless you intend to shoot him. That's about yeah. the only thing I can definitely remember. Well, he made a. Uh, in fact, there's a picture I have in my in my in the other room in there of me standing with him next to this kite. The kite was taller than me. Wow. It was huge, and it was made out of funny papers, the Sunday funny papers. Wow. He made this huge kite. You know, it was probably five feet tall, and I don't know how wide, but there's a picture of me and him and one of my neighbor buddies, Barry Babin, standing next to this big kite he made. Wow. One time he used to make me mad because I was always trying to get something real, and then he would end up making the thing instead of letting me buy a new one. But this one time... I talked my mother into buying what was called a whammo, which in those days was a power slingshot. Okay. And you could shoot, like, big pellets and rocks with it. I mean, it was like a power thing. It had big, thick band, rubber bands on it. and You know, it was a big block of wood and all that. Sure. So down to the sporting goods store I go with my four bucks or whatever it was. At the time, it seemed like a lot of money. That's all I remember. My mother gave me the money. And I buy the whammo. So I couldn't wait for my daddy to get home so I could show him the whammo. So <clears throat> this is like on a Friday. Right. Well, over the weekend, he has taken the whammo, got a piece of paper, outlined the whammo on the piece of paper, then put a big piece of wood over that, cut the wood out the size of the paper thing. He made an exact replica Wow. Down to the rubber bands that he had to go all over the place to find that fit in this thing. And I had to go return the whammo to the other place. 
man, they'd like to kill me. I was thinking, man, I don't want this. I want the real thing, the whammo. I mean, it said whammo on it. You want me to put a sign on it that says, well, no, I don't want a sign. <laughs> but did it work just as well? Yeah, it did, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't play with it after about a week. I just kind of threw it in a draw. Oh, man. But uh, that's the way he was. I mean, he just, he, he had to, you know, he's anything he couldn't make, he was, you know, it was okay to get that. But, uh, wow. oh, just so many things like that. Wow. It's quite a character. Plus, he was on an aircraft carrying a Pacific that got hit by two kamikazes in the Battle of Lady Gulf. Wow. To the end of World War Two, And, uh... If you go to the museum, in fact, it's in New Orleans, the Armed Forces Museum from the Pacific Theater, where they talk about the Army and the Navy in there, and the people that work there are all veterans. And uh, that that carrier that it was on, which was the USS Swanee, is mentioned there because of the they were there in Lady Golf during the kamikaze attacks. You know what the kamikaze was? Yeah, you know yeah what I, the kamikaze pilots would uh, basically commit suicide yeah. with their plane, yeah. Now, he told me a story, and of course, Dad's stories... Uh, yeah, you know, I wondered about a lot of stories Dad told me. Some of the stories are pretty true. Some of them are embellished. Some of them just never happened, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to pick and choose, but that's what it is. I think that's a game of oh. comedy chops, really. <laughs> All of Dad's stories, I loved them. Which I actually years later thought of writing a writing a story about this story, and of course changing it around to make it more interesting. But apparently, one of the kamikaze planes, and this is what the carriers would do: is they would shoot at the kamikaze plane as it was coming in, and sometimes the plane would crash into the water before it hit the ship. Right. And apparently, on one of these occasions, the pilot of the plane survived, and they captured him on the on the uh, carrier. They took him onto the carrier, and they put him in the brig down in the in the bowels of the carrier. And uh, they had to take turns watching him. And my daddy would describe to me what the other guys on the ship would do with broomsticks and mops and things because the guy had no clothes on it really naked they just put him in their cell like an animal right right they would poke him the right. broomsticks and uh i thought of i thought of a story you could make out of that particularly today where we have this sympathy for kamikaze flyers <laughs> or just pow's in general i think we, we forget what they were actually trying to do when you think of them, but you could have a story about a jacket that this guy wore because they all wore these jackets, the kamikaze plot, the Japanese little leather, little leather jacket. And, a ja and in the jacket could be in, in, sewed in his name and where he's from. And years later, one of his ancestors, a grandson maybe, finds this jacket somehow. You could make up the story about how he gets the jacket. And he begins talking to sailors that were on the ship, and they're telling him about the torture. Right, right. And now he wants to sue the U.S. Navy for having killed a captive soldier of the enemy. And the whole story would be about... be almost like a play rather than a book. And... 
you, what you got to think of is today's climate. There'd be a lot of people on his side, you know. Right. Like, oh, this is what they did to this poor guy. He had no chance. He was naked. They were torturing him. <laughs> right, right. So anyway, that was just something I thought of. But that was a story my daddy did he, must have told. Did the Kamikaze pilot survive told, or no? My daddy told that story, I would say, 400 times I heard it to I, different people. I never Go heard ahead. that one. Saying? I was saying, did, did the Kamikaze pilot get killed then? Yes. Did they just take him out or did he just die on the thing because he was malnourished? I didn't break. He had problems. He was injured and, you know. He died. Let's just leave it at that. He just died. Right, right. Put him in the water, you know, just like they did Bin Laden. Right, right. Did him down and put him on a board and let him slide down the board. Bloop. Into the water she goes, she goes, as Blackbeard the pirate said. (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah, I remember him telling me all these weird stories about different stuff that either happened in his life or that were just sort of... You know, I knew a guy once, you know, there's a lot of that. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. is As you get older, you do have a lot of these stories. It's just that most of mine I can't tell. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But, uh, you know, he had a lot of things that that I'm sure went on during that period of being in the Pacific Ocean in, a, in an aircraft carrier. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, he wasn't that excited about talking about that, actually. I can remember a story I heard uh, this comedian Larry Miller. I don't know if you know who he is. He's been around a while. I don't think so. Yeah, he's been in a lot of movies. Anyway, Larry Miller has a podcast as well. It's it's, it's like one 30-minute run-on sentence. It's just him by himself. Um, this is kind of interesting, but one of the stories he told was, I think it was about his uncle who wore those giant like bottle cap sunk, uh, uh glasses, you know, uh, prescription glasses, right? The yeah. Big, the big goofy looking ones. And he was on a mission to go into like the Pacific Islands and such where, you know, Japanese soldiers were waiting out, you know, any kind of attack or whatever have you. But it's like the war was over, but these guys never got the memo. Which is already in itself a weird enough thing, but you kind of go, well, yeah, I guess that could happen. You know, how are you supposed to get a mis- uh, you know a mission out to these guys or, uh, you know, uh, any kind of um, uh, telegram or whatever? You can't find them. That's the whole point they were there is you weren't be able- supposed to be able to find them. And so they would send these American soldiers out to basically go, hey, the war's over. We're not fighting anymore. And uh, that in itself is fascinating because I'm thinking, how would you how do you say that to somebody who doesn't speak your language and you don't speak their language? Or maybe they taught him just enough Japanese to say, hey, we surrendered or whatever, or, or rather, you surrendered or wave a white flag. I don't know. Anyway, so <clears throat> I guess in the middle of the night, um, this Japanese soldier woke him up, woke up this uncle, uh, you know, tapping him with his gun to see if he was still alive. And so he woke up and he immediately grabbed his glasses and put them on to try to get a better look at this guy. He looks up, and this Japanese guy is wearing the same, uh, you know, goofy bottle cap glasses as he is. He looks <laughs> over, and he sees his gun, and he taps him on the glasses with his gun. He kind of taps him, taps him, and he taps his own glasses, and he starts laughing and runs away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. I thought, like, well, what a crazy story. All right, now, yeah. 
going to tell you this story that I may have told you when you were a little boy, but I don't think I've told you since then. This is the story of the disappearing cabin. Okay. You heard this? I, I, you, I, it might jog a memory when you tell it. Okay. Many, 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 many years ago, high school age kind of thing, we were playing in a golf tournament. Okay. And it was up near Jackson, Mississippi. And one of us decided, in fact, when they made the movie Deliverance, it brought back all the memories of this. <laughs> They decided they were going to make a reservoir. This is the way they make reservoirs all over the all over the country. They dam up a river, okay, and they flood a large area that's unoccupied, and it makes a lake out of it, a reservoir. Okay, okay. So there was a governor of Mississippi named Ross Barnett, and they were going to name this, or they have named this reservoir after him. It's called the Ross Barnett Reservoir. It's a big piece of water, and it's just north of Jackson. Well, we found out that they were going to do this, but they hadn't done it yet. They were going to flood the Pearl River, which runs through Jackson, runs all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. So we went up north of Jackson, this little dinky road back up in the back. And if you can make a picture of it, you're kind of on a high spot, and you're walking down to the river's edge through pine trees like a pine forest okay and the river is below you now at some point when that river is flooded that water will be above where we were standing okay where we parked so we're going to walk down this downward uh, decline to the river just kind of fool around down there and say that we did it kind of thing but on the way down, and you, you got to understand, it's real thick woods, pine trees every step of the way. There's a pine tree. Yeah, they're all over the place. But about halfway down, at the point where we could no longer see the car or the road up the hill behind us, there was a sort of a clearing. And in the clearing was, I would just call it a, like a worker's shed. And it was sitting on... Uh, uh, just wood blocks like they were like these wood almost like logs beneath it and it was built on top of that and it was just a one room shack probably the size of I would say like a bathroom a pretty big bathroom that's about how big it was and it was kind of tin a little bit of a shingle roof wood kind of old beat up looking and it was sitting in the car the first thing we thought of was well it's probably a hunter's cabin, you know, people that go hunting deer and all that stuff, and that's probably a cabin there. Yeah. So we went in and we opened the door, and you could see in there, you know, trash and a couple of kind of blankets or sheets in there, you know. You could see there was people at one time had been in there. I mean, there was nothing to tell you there was anybody there anytime recently. And we fooled around about a cabin, and then we just closed the door, and we went down straight down from the cabin to the water. Now, by the time you get to the water and you look back behind you, all you see is trees. You can't see anything. You know, you can't see the cabin. You can't see the car. Nothing. It's just all trees. So we we were down there. We were down there for a few hours fooling around by the river, throwing rocks and 
talking about stuff, taking our shoes off, all that stuff. And we we were, we were imagining from this story we had read about this reservoir that this water, this this river running through there, was going to be this huge reservoir, and all this place where we just came from, the road and the cabin and all that's going to be underwater. Okay. Okay. So eventually, it's getting kind of late in the day, so we start back up the hill, <coughs> and we get to the clearing. And the cabin is not there. Mm. The cabin is gone. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? The yeah. whole the cabin can't move itself. Yeah, yeah. A person's going to move it. It's going to take a number of people to move it because this was, you know, this is not like I, I couldn't push it or something. I mean, there's no. Uh, it was that solid. The cabin had disappeared. And it scared us to death. Because immediately we thought of, you know, some kind of space alien ship came down and pulled that cabin. I mean, how in the world could that cabin get out of all them woods? Right. You know, I mean, what, what happened here? The cabin disappeared. So that was just a story that me and the guys that I was with told the rest of our lives about the disappearing cabin. Now, Sheila, who lives in Jackson... One of the times when Jenny and I were there last year, I guess now it's been two years ago now, we took a ride out in that direction. Now, you can't go there anymore because it's just a big reservoir. There's nowhere to where you can go and say, this is the spot right, <laughs> because right. it's underwater. But I told her that story as we were driving around up there. You know? She said, right. well, where would it be? I mean, where would it be? I said, well... We're on the other side of the reservoir from where it would have been because it was north of the river. And uh, so it was somewhere over there in that big forest. And now you, all you see is a big, huge lake with the forest surrounding it. So, you know, there's no way of really telling. And uh, the Pearl River, years later when your mom and I were there, we used to go on the Pearl River all the time. With, we'd, we'd rent one of these little... 16 foot skiffs with a 15 horsepower motor on the back and just go trekking down from you'd rent it at the reservoir at Brosponet Reservoir and then you could go down the Pearl River from there and uh, that was fun we, we enjoyed doing that never saw a soul we just drive down through there it was very quiet a little bit spooky but it was it was fun yeah the Pearl River memories yeah but anyway, the cabin disappeared. That's all I can say. How it disappeared to this day, I will never figure that out. And if I ever see those guys, which in time, from time to time, if I'm New Orleans, I'm liable to run into one of them. That's the first subject we talk about. Yeah. The cabin. Whatever happened to the cabin? And they don't have any theories? Well, people that hear the story think that, well, you might have, you know, maybe you thought the spot the cabin was in was the spot you were there, but that might have been a different spot. So you didn't even go back by that place. That the would be my initial that, assumption, yeah. The problem with that is the, 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 the wood log things that were beneath the cabin were still there. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, this is the spot. you got to understand, it was not a lot of clearing. Somebody cleared that spot <laughs> put that cabin in there. And I, like I say, I assume it was Hunter's problem. But... Uh, 
And, you know, there was no way that happened because, we, you know, there was evidence of the cabin there. So See, I would have gone back the next day or the next week or something. And... Well, we didn't live up there. You understand? Yeah, we had to go yeah. at some point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, whatever. I'm just saying. It was you know, scary. I mean, believe me, we were teenagers, and it was a scary thing. I mean, it, it, it just kind of scared you. It was like, uh, you know, let's get... Get back in the car and get out of here. Yeah, no, I can only imagine. I'm just saying, you know, I would have been one of those like, hey, you guys want to try, you know, blankety blank. No. Yeah. See, I, now me, I, I, I was not ready to go back. I was thinking, nah, I don't think I want to fool with that cabin. Right, right. Well, it's like that, mom used to tell that story about the... very, very mysterious had to happen, really. I mean... Do you remember that story mom used to tell about uh, the albinos in the California hills? yeah. The same kind of thing where she was like, well, we have to go back. And she went back and yeah. they almost got locked up there. Yeah. Save that told. for another episode because I don't remember it too well, but maybe you will. No, I don't remember it that well either. I remember the albino story. I, mean, I remember that being, I remember hearing her tell it to other people even. Yeah, sunken houses and albinos and uh, some weird commune guarded by a gate and all this. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah that's it. I remember now yeah, some of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was. She used to have a story about the when she was going to college up in Oregon, Willamette, Oregon. It was a story about something to do with a bunch of them got together and they were drinking or something. I don't remember now what it was. They got lost some kind of way, and all of them were kind of inebriated, and they kind of wandered around or something. You ever heard that story? No. It was something I don't remember the, the particulars of it, but it was it was kind of funny at the time. Yeah. Talking about it, it was funny anyway. Yeah, sure, gotcha. Yeah, but I'm about done here. But it's seven fifty-five. I got all my basketball, hockey, and everything else going on, so I got plenty yeah. to see. Yeah, and I got. You ever watch gotta... Good Wife on TV? What? The Good Wife. I don't know what that is. It's a it's a series it's a show on television you know it's a it's a series you know a a drama series on CBS never seen no. it never heard of it it's, it's very good it's one of those you oh, know did you end up watching the Borgias well I have been following it yes how is it I didn't think I would like it but I, I do like it it's very good it's so far it's pretty close to historically correct. Uh, Lucretia Borgia, which uh, they're, they're trying to kind of give you the idea that there was some father-daughter shenanigans going on there. Man. But uh, that was kind of always the story, the legend of the Borgias. The Borgias took over the Pope's job. He right. became the Pope. He was the Pope. Right, right. And he made his son a cardinal so that he could become the pope later on. But uh, he, he controlled the little prologue underneath. <laughs> when you see it come on TV, and it says the boys is underneath it. It says the original crime family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear hearing about that. Yeah. Attracted me right there. <laughs> I thought it would. Yeah, yeah. but uh, it was. Uh, it's 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 very good. It's uh, right now you got your nurse Jackie. Yeah. Edie Falco, you been watching that? Nope. You know, this is the only series I've ever seen where the star of the series is not likable. Hmm. 
You know what I mean? In other words, this is. Well, a, I mean, a, I would say that I've said that about the Sopranos. It seemed like you you didn't really everybody you tried to like, they'd give you a reason not to. You got to be kidding me! Everybody likes Tony. Now, come on. <laughs> I don't know about that. But they were but all she, bad people. She's just very unlikable person. I mean, it's like you just she's just her character is just the best. You know, she's just yeah. she's a drug addict. She's cheating on her husband. She's she lies to people. I mean, she's okay. she's yeah. she's just not uh, the kind of character you think of as a star of the show. You know what I mean? Just, yeah, yeah, I can see that. It does make it a little interesting, though. I will say that. I mean, it makes it. It's it's too short though. A half hour drives you crazy. It's too. Well, I mean, when I well, by the time I catch up with it, I'll have to go back a few seasons. So it's probably not going to be so bad for me. Yeah, you can do that because that on-demand thing it shows it all the way from the beginning. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know your DVR thing, which is built into the universe. Right. I use that to watch things like The Good Wife, so you don't have to watch the commercials. But uh, there's certain things that are pretty good on TV right now, particularly the sports. We're in the playoff era where you. Both hockey and basketball are in their playoffs, and man, they ought to be charging me extra for my cable to watch. Because I mean, it's really fun to watch. Oh, don't say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is fun to watch. You wonder, you wonder about that. Yeah. They used to say that that was going to happen with with like football. That they would get to a point where it would be like a pay per view thing that they do like with boxing matches and things. And you have to pay, you know, like five bucks to see the Cowboys play the New England Patriots or something. Right, right. That never happened. Well, it sort of happened with basketball, right? Didn't they do that with basketball? No. No, I don't know. No, they don't. don't. Season NBA League, season pass or something. I don't know how it works. Well, now you can buy uh, a thing where you can watch whatever team you want to watch. Oh, I see. See, yeah, you can do that. Okay. And then baseball's got that too. Where you just can like, if you like the Yankees, you can watch all the Yankee games, that kind of thing. Right. For a fee, you know. Right, right. I got you. All right. Well, you need to go get some rest. Yeah, desperately. Hopefully, I'll go to work tomorrow. No, don't. They were were questioning about like uh, conspiratorial stuff because on Monday. Uh, at, at our morning meeting, I was like, you know, I get this scratchy feeling at the roof of my mouth. I have a feeling I'm going to be I'm going to be sick by the end of the day. Or I'm going to have to call in sick tomorrow. My boss is like, what? And I was like, I'm just saying, I might call in sick tomorrow. I feel like I'll end up sick tomorrow. And he's like, you, you can't just you got to call tomorrow when you're sick. I'm like, I'm just saying, I I know when I'm getting sick and I feel like it. By the end of the day, I'm coughing, sniffling, sneezing, all that. <laughs> sure enough, I call in, you know, yesterday and today. Today, I talked to him on the phone about something. Because it's a little weird, you know, that you called it. And I was like, I'm just saying, who doesn't know? Like, you know when it happens. You know it does. Yeah, you really do. Particularly with anything like a cold or something. You can tell, you know, when you're getting sore throat and, you know, you're starting to feel kind of blah. You know, you know it's coming. Yeah, you get that thing where you sniffle and it hurts the roof of your mouth. You get that scratchy thing and you're like, ugh. I don't don't get that. Yeah, well, you know, maybe to back of your throat, whatever. Something like that. Anyway. (laughs) I'm it part of the conspiracy stuff. theory. Yeah, over here. you see, that's what's going on. All right, well, take it easy anyway, because you get yourself completely well before you push yourself into something. 
Yeah, not a problem. I mean, you know, feel like you can get to work and go ahead. I mean, you're sounding better than you did. Yeah, yesterday you sounded like you need that. Yeah, yesterday I didn't feel so good. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I had a lot of rest since yesterday, and you know, and so uh, I got all my work do, done today. I'm going to do a better job of pre- preparing some things because a couple of the things I wanted to talk about, I, I kind of changed my mind about it. Okay, I even have it written down here right next to me, and I think what I can do is take some of these things like that that I changed my mind on and just move in a different direction on the same subject, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I know how that goes. I do it all the time on my show. Yeah, so I'll be a little better prepared and we can kind of talk about it a little bit before we go on. But anyway. All right. All good. I got in the the Vissing Cabin story, so sleep on that one. There you go. All right. Talk to you later, Mitchell. All right. Take care, Dad. Love you. See you later. Okay. Good night. Bye-bye.